Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. My name is Peter Seberg, and I'm your host. Today, we'll be talking to Thomas Uslender from Fraunhofer about the smart factory web and the role OPC Way plays in it. Amongst other things, I will talk with Thomas about major trends in smart manufacturing. He will tell us what Smart Factory Web is, how it relates to the German industry for the dough, and other initiatives, and why they chose OBCUA as their underlying architecture. Hello, Thomas. Thanks for joining. How are you? Yeah, thank you. Hello, Peter. Yes, I'm fine. Uh, the times are very special. Uh, on the one hand, uh, okay, there's not so much unrest uh, due to the missing uh, travels. and But on the other hand, the days uh, are full of online meetings and all these meetings have a very tight schedule. You have to be on time all the time. And the technological debates and trends are very demanding and dynamic. So there is uh, anything else than a little bit calmer. <laughs> Let's see how long it's going to continue. We actually don't know each other from many years back as well. And at the same time, it has been a long time that we've seen each other face to face. Thomas, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Where are you from? What is your role at Fraunhofer? What have you maybe been doing before? And what has been your and also Fraunhofer's involvement to date with OPC technology and the OPC Foundation? Okay, so by education, I'm a computer scientist. I studied computer science, uh, informatics, as we say in Germany, at the University of Karlsruhe in the 80s of the last century. And uh, then also got my PhD uh, from the University of Karlsruhe. But at this time, it was already called the Karlsruhe Institute of Technology, the KIT. So for many, many years, I'm here at uh, Fraunhofer IOSB at Karlsruhe in the southwest of Germany, uh, close to the French border. So IOSB is one of the Fraunhofer Institutes. Uh, we have many of them. We have about 70 of them. And IOSB stands for Institute of Optronics, System Technologies and Image Exploitation. Quite complicated, long name, uh, very competence-oriented. Uh, at the end of the day, it's about IT, Internet of Things, Industrial Internet of Things, and all the nice applications that we can put on top of that in order to support the decision makers. So my role here at Fraunhofer is I'm head of a department entitled Information Management and Production Control. And I'm also, in coincidence, a spokesperson of our business unit, Automation and Digitalization. In such business units, we are bringing together the competences of several departments. So in this role, I have to organize all our research activities in this domain of industrial production, but also digitalization of the automation environment of the industrial production in total. So, yeah, before, after my studies, I started here at, uh, at Fraunhofer, but then went to industry to work in network management, in open network management based on ISO standards, but also at these days based on uh, internet standards already. 
and then step by step got uh, other activities in the area of middleware systems. Already back then at uh, Fraunhofer IOSB as a group manager, I organized uh, our activities in the area of CORBA-based environments. So I was already at this day involved in the object management group activities. But the domain was different. I was not in industrial production. I was in environmental information systems, also environmental risk management and uh, geospatial architectures, architectures. So today we would say another domain of the Internet of Things. But at uh, these days, although the term was already created, it was not used. So we called it, uh, for example, sensor web enablement, a term that was created by the Open Geospatial Consortium, where I was involved. OGC is still active and very alive, but not uh, linked currently to this domain of Industry 4.0, where I'm today. Nevertheless, there are nice trends that might bring all these activities together. So in our activities of applied research, the openness of architectures was always in the center of our activity and is still today. If it were uh, open geospatial architectures for environmental risk management or even including remote sensing systems, or if it is nowadays activities in the area of smart cities or industrial production, the openness and interoperability is in the core of our activities. And I'm trying to bring this over within my department. So there are about 40 researchers. They are organized in six groups and uh, more or less they all have this spirit in mind. Sounds great. Impressive background. And today working with what is an obvious number one uh, German uh, Institute for Applied Research. So therefore, looking forward to what it is that you're going to be telling us about uh, the new topic for today's Smart Factory Web. But as an introduction, maybe you can share your perspective on the major trends that have been, that are happening in smart manufacturing? Uh, yes, we see that uh, there is a lot of dynamics coming from the market, both from the user side, but also from the uh, offers and from the technological side. So we, we see that uh, there is a demand for higher resilience, but there is also a higher resilience in the production. Uh, so the availability of production environments and production uh, assets should be quite high, but also there is a trend towards sustainable production, being a resource efficient production or energy efficient production or what refers to the quality of the products, they also should have in mind or in their, in their materials, in the way they are processed and generated. Sustainability is a, a demand that is taking much more importance. Then there is this trend towards more flexibility. And here we see that this trend is not only on the factory level, but more and more also on the supply chain level, where does all the material come from, all the parts come from. Here also we need more flexibility. We see it now in these uh, times of the corona crisis that the companies are too much fixed to their existing supply chains. 
What we also see and what has also led to the generation of several initiatives such as Industry 4.0 is a, a higher variance of products and uh, smaller lot sizes. And this leads us a little bit to the topic of today because all these products should be more and more factured, manufactured on demand in a short time frame. And that is why, okay, we need maybe other strategies to produce products, to plan the engineering and the production phase. And all this, both on the factory level and on the supply chain level. All great topics are here. Sustainability, flexibility, variance, uh, industry for the dough. Let's see how Corona is actually going to be a driver for some of these activities. And we will be talking about most of these during the course of our interview. So moving into today's topic, please explain us what is the Smart Factory Web? What does it stand for? The Smart Factory Web was created in the course of an activity together with the Korean Research Institute entitled KT. We, we came uh, together because I, I gave presentation at the Innova Trade Fair some years ago about the openness in the Internet of Things because we had a European project entitled Open IoT and then Katie was interested. Okay, and we discussed about what we could do together and uh, one idea was, okay, let's simply connect our model factories, our smart factories that we have in our research institutes and why not doing that via the internet, of course, and via a kind of a central portal that allows to connect then our factories together. So this was the starting point. And then, and already there, we thought, okay, we should do that on the basis of open standards and to try out what they can do and where the limits are. And then it turned out that, okay, we are both members of the Industrial Internet Consortium. Why not defining an IAC testbed for this? because we are both members and this could be a good uh, marketing opportunity. So we decided to do this and we called this testbed Smart Factory Web. Now, why Smart Factory Web? You know the term World Wide Web, which is uh, more or less a web, a network of information uh, instantiated in documents. And uh, we would like to create a web of smart factories. So this is the background for the smart factory web. Uh, so step by step, we then defined the system and this testbed. And finally, it was accepted by the IAC. And we were very proud to be the first Fraunhofer Institute to have created an IAC testbed. And over the next uh, years, then the system turned into a kind of uh, blueprint architecture for a marketplace for industrial production. This was not originally foreseen. But we came to the conclusion, okay, what we are doing there is very similar to what has happened in other 
business branches like in tourism or in mobility. If you want uh, to book today a hotel or a pension or a car, you go to some portal. And companies like Booking.com, uh, TripAdvisor, Uber, and so on, they are all working in this platform economy. And they don't own these assets. They are just mediating the access and the services of these assets. And why not having the same idea in the area of industrial production? So we saw that the smart factory web yeah, has the potential to go into this direction. And that is why now it's really in this yeah, in discussion about platform economy for industrial production. So it's not just uh, how to connect uh, two factories and uh, four factories uh, as it was in the beginning. It's now that we are trying to define a whole marketplace based on open standards. This was a great step forward that also turned to be quite attractive when we presented this at international trade fairs uh, several times, such as the Hanover Trade Fair. Yeah, I World Wide Web. That's that's what I thought of immediately when I saw the term uh, smart factory web as well. I didn't know that you had worked together with colleagues from from Korea. Open standards, I hear. Uh, you already mentioned the Industrial Internet Consortium. How though does the smart factory web architecture fit into the Industry 4.0 reference architecture model? Yes, from the beginning on, we do not, did not just want to be a kind of instantiation, real architecture of the era of the Industrial Internet Consortium reference architecture. We also wanted to bring it together with, in, with Industry 4.0, with the reference architecture model of the Industry 4.0. And there it fits uh, very well, because um, if you have this RAMI model, as it is called in mind, you see there are three dimensions, and one of the dimensions is the asset type. These uh, range from products over sensors, actuators, shop floor devices, enterprises, up to the connected world. So we are targeting these uh, two latter asset types, the whole uh, factory level, enterprise level, and also the connected world that joins together several uh, enterprises. And this mirrors, of course, the idea of a supply chain. Which technological concepts of uh, Industry 4.0 do you use? Yes, if you create such a marketplace for industrial production, you have to represent uh, factories in their virtual world. So today you would say, okay, you are creating kind of digital twin of these of this factory. Uh, so in order to do that in an international way, covering several branches, branches and so on, you need standards. You need a standard way how to represent such factories. And here, this concept of the asset administration shell is perfect to use because uh, it is an abstraction of any type of asset. So we would use as, as asset type a whole factory, but also the, the plants and the machines inside this factory. But we want to have a common interface and we want to have a common way of modeling these assets. And this is why we choose the asset administration shell as a basic approach to do this. 
You mentioned uh, standards as an important way to make the digital twin come true. What type of standards do you use within the uh, smart factory web? We are using um, basically three types of standards. One is uh, how to communicate and model the factory. And here we choose OPC UA as it was quite natural for us to do so because we are also familiar with this technology and uh, it offers us all the flexibility, all the freedom, but also all the interoperability that we need for such uh, a marketplace. However, there are not yet uh, data models for whole factories. There are not yet companion specs for that. That is why we started to model the factory capabilities and the assets using another IEC standard, which is the automation markup language, the automation ML. And this was quite easy for us to do so because another group already defined a mapping from Automation ML to OPC UA in a Dean specification work. And this is now also an OPC UA uh, companion specification. So we started to model the assets, the capabilities, their properties, and so on with Automation ML and had a generator to generate out of that OPC UA data models and whole OPC UA servers. And the third standard that we are using is the Center Things API of the Open Geospatial Consortium. And there it turned out that it was quite beneficial that we are also working in, uh, in OGC, where all these uh, geospatial aspects are discussed. And this Sensor Things API allows us to get sensor data, to make sensor data management from the factory level in a standard way. So these are the three types of standards we are using. For those listeners that are maybe not so much into the details of OPC UA, how it works with information modeling, maybe you can clarify what is then the role of OPC UA and what is the role of automation ML? How do those two fit together? So the, the automation ML standard is a data exchange standard for the engineering, typically for the engineering of products. There is no standard way today to exchange data between engineering tools, CAD tools, CAM tools, and so on. So all these tools need a standard data exchange, and that is why Automation ML Foundation was created, and we are one of the founders of this association. But it's just data modeling. It's a kind of container uh, meta model that you have in order to store in that particular uh, properties of assets. In order to communicate uh, this information, you need another standard. And here, OPC UA is quite uh, straightforward. And this mapping is also natural. So OPC UA is for communication. It's uh, on the one hand for us then just a communication protocol. And we are using both paradigms, the client-server paradigm, but also the publish-subscribe paradigm. But you need, of course, also the data and the semantics the semantics uh, about the properties of a factory and the assets. And this gives us automation ML, including then also semantic annotation possibilities uh, into ontologies. Right. So as with all the other companion standards, automation ML represents the what and OBC UA the how, correctly? Exactly, yeah. 
So in more detail, what role does OPC Way play relating to smart factory web and IT and the cloud? Uh, yes, for us, it's now the, the interface between the marketplace, the portal system where the customer tries to search for capabilities of factories uh, to produce something and uh, the factories themselves. So it's the outer interface by which a factory presents itself in such a, uh, such a marketplace. And um, yes, a lot of people are talking about uh, merging of IT and OT and uh, all the technologies there come together. And we see it also here that typically such representations of factory capabilities, this is in not in the OT, this is in the IT world of a company. Nevertheless, what you give out is information about your shop floor, about your production capabilities. So it's quite natural that also here OPC UA is used, although we are uh, acting more on an enterprise level. So um, OPC UA is a kind of uh, yeah worldwide language for automation. Um, we see that uh, also on such an enterprise level, it's very beneficial to rely upon it. And uh, if then this information is directly communicated bilaterally or via some uh, cloud system, it doesn't matter. And that is why maybe the positioning of OPCA is getting much more loose. It's not fixed to just shop floor communication. It's also used in other entities in such an edge cloud architectural environment. Very good. How does the smart factory web relate to international data spaces? Uh, yes, this is now a very interesting um, movement and development. We are a member of the International Data Space uh, Association, IDSA. It's about data sovereignty. Typically, you're just discussing about how to access to asset information and how to control the access, who may access to which type of information under which circumstances and constraints. This is typical access control. But once you have given out that information and somebody has access to the data, you lose control. And uh, we want to change this with this uh, international data spaces and also cover aspects such as data usage control Control. So um, in analogy to access control policies, you have then data usage control policies. You could give out data to somebody else to whom maybe you don't have such a trust uh, relationship as to your partner. And you say, okay, you can use that data, but only for this or this purpose. Or you may use it just for three weeks and then you have to delete it. Uh, on the other hand, those who consume the data want to know, okay, where does the data come from? What is the provenance of the data? And these two aspects, data usage control and data provenance tracking, these are the core added values of the international data spaces. And we see that in such a marketplace, when you also include information about a whole supply chain, such a data usage control is required and that is why we are we are we have started to include not only industry for the zero technologies but also ids technologies into our smart factory web 
so you could uh, decide you can decide as uh, as a company who wants to be involved in such a marketplace which type of data do you give out and for which purposes it may be used this is very important uh, because typically factory owners are a little bit reluctant to give out this sensitive data to a marketplace Right. For which one reason? The European Commission, I just had an interview with him, is going for a handful or two hands full, actually, of uh, common European data spaces, of which one, I believe, is going to become the international data space. What are for you the interesting aspects of Smart Factory Web uh, as a researcher? Yes, as a researcher, there are there are many many um, aspects in the smart factory web that are interesting. On the one hand, just uh, what I said uh, before, this data sharing aspect, data serenity, how to ensure that, but also how to enforce that. What are the technological boundaries for policy enforcement, and what do you have to realize and to assure in uh, contracts? You cannot. Solve all on a technological basis. So to find here the right boundary and the right architecture, this is one of a research um, topic that we are discussing. And this is getting now very, very important also in this new data ecosystem of Gaia-X. I don't know if you have listened to the creation of this foundation yesterday. Uh, here, IDS technology together with Industry for the Zero technology will play a great role in this Gaia-X, but that's maybe another story. Another research aspect is, of course, the, the marketplace itself. How can you mediate a customer request who wants to get some product produced, who has a description of a product, maybe in a formal way as a step uh, document, for example, or also in informal ways or as a textual document. How can you mediate this semi-automatically to a description of production capabilities in such a platform? And once you have found candidate factories, can you even support the commercial negotiation between the customer and uh, such a factory owner? And what type of business models can you support here? We want to bring down the negotiation times for such new partners or new partner ecosystems in such supply chains that uh, have to appear. When we come back to the demands for uh, higher resilience, uh, sustainability, more flexibility, also the supply chain, you also need some support in order to find new partners. And how to support this nearly automatically and have results in, not in weeks, but maybe in minutes. This is a very important research aspect, and we are dealing with that in another IIC testbed, that is the negotiation automation platform testbed, together with the Japanese company NEC. This is also relying upon the architecture and the software system of the Smart Factory web. You're very international, we hear. You mentioned marketplace, new partners. What then, if I may ask uh, you as a representative from a research uh, institute, uh, which are the business aspects of the smart factory web? 
Okay, I, I would like to ask um, maybe in two dimensions. What uh, the first is, what are the business aspects of such portal of such a smart factory web marketplace itself, and the other is the business aspect for us as a research institute. So the first one, okay, there are several business models that you can run in such marketplaces. The the question is. How can you earn money with such an approach? Uh, you could do that by just um, having a kind of mediation role and you get your money by advertisement. So you're just a broker and then the whole negotiation is between the customer and the factory owner. So this would be kind of traditional approach. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, there is the situation as we have it in the tourism industry, for example, that uh, the marketplace itself takes over also the responsibility uh, for the production in time with the required quality and so on. So this is a totally different level. Then uh, such a marketplace is kind of black box for the customer and they give in their demands and how and where it is produced. It doesn't matter. You just give your quality constraints, maybe also your sustainability and ecological and ethical constraints to the marketplace. And then you give out the responsibility to obey all that to the marketplace. So they're very important and very interesting business models and business aspects in such a marketplace. For us as a research institute, we can benefit from this system by getting into discussion with big players and with uh, stakeholders of industrial production. And if you go to the website of the Smart Factory web, you also see that we have two important business partners, which are Microsoft Corporation and SAP. So these two big uh, IT uh, players Uh, in the world, they have uh, now major interest in this uh, smart factory web system. And uh, we are uh, discussing with them how to integrate this approach with their products such that at the end of the day, there could be a common offer to the market uh, if we bring together our competences and how to operationalize this more or less uh, experimental marketplace at the moment in a real commercial offering. Sounds really interesting. And, and I assume that maybe there's one or the other listener from potential user company or other research institutes that may have become interested in engaging themselves in the smart factory web. Is that possible? Can they? And if so, how would they do that? Uh, yes, of course they can. There is a kind of a call for interests, call for participation in our website. Uh, just go to www.smartfactoryweb.de. And then you can express your interest. You can just get some information about the architecture and the technologies we are using. There's also now a kind of standards white paper of the Smart Factory Web in the IIC document store. So this is one way of uh, communicating and cooperating. The other way would be that, yes, you take the software of the Smart Factory Web or the architecture at least and try to implement this into a real operational marketplace system that makes such an offer for a particular industrial branch. This, of course, uh, would be our most welcome 
cooperation partner because Fraunhofer does applied research. So we are not satisfied if we just uh, have some nice uh, results on the research level. We want to see that these ideas become operational and get their way into practice and uh, that somebody else, some startup company or some existing company can make uh, money out of that and strengthen also the industrial location of Germany and Europe. Okay, those of you interested, you've heard it. Uh, we're getting to the end. Is there any development you've experienced lately or an activity that may come up, maybe a final thought you'd like to share? Maybe you want to share with our listeners the next steps in the development of the smart factory web? Uh, yes. Okay. We are discussing this idea of such a marketplace for industrial production for, for many, many years already. Uh, when I talk about this in conferences, many people say, okay, this is interesting. Let us talk about that. But maybe a lot of people do not yet see the disruptive aspects of this approach. And now came to our minds and we saw it in the market that there are new startup companies uh, that go that way. And uh, we in Europe have to be very careful that we do not lose here opportunities and that we in Europe are building up and setting up such marketplaces on our own. And if we do so, we should do it uh, according to European standards and constraints and rules. So that is why, okay, this new idea is to bring such a smart factory web platform into the context of this uh, new Gaia-X data ecosystem. There, several use cases are being defined and such a supply chain management idea or platform that also obeys resilience criteria, also obeys sustainable production criteria. This is what we would like to do. Um, and if there are partners that are willing to cooperate with us on that, uh, you're welcome. Sounds great, Thomas. You've been working with colleagues in Korea and Japan. You're doing uh, things with European colleagues. I assume that you're working uh, across the world. Thanks a lot for sharing your knowledge regarding the Smart Factory Web and the role OPC UA plays in it as the underlying communication architecture. If you, dear listener, want to learn more about other OPC UA companion specifications or other pieces of the OPC UA technology or about the OPC Foundation, you may want to listen to the preceding OPC Foundation podcast editions or visit the website at opcfoundation.org. If you have a proposal for topics or are interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, uh, maybe you want to join one of the OPC UA companion specification working groups. Or maybe you want to become a member of the OPC Foundation or otherwise, please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. We'll put both website URL and the mail address in the podcast notes. It was great to have you with us today. If you like what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news. Looking forward to have you with us again. And Thomas, thank you very much for having been my guest today. Thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure to talk about a smart factory web uh, in the context of the OPC Foundation. Where we are very proud to use this technology and we are still willing to cooperate with you and bring this idea also in the community of the OPC Foundation. 
Sounds great. Looking forward to see you face-to-face again in the near future. Hope so too. Have a nice day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.